you so much for tuning into this week's episode of the Art of Conversation Live. My name is Allie Flowers. I am CloudCall's US Alliance Manager. And today I am joined by one of our awesome Salesforce consulting partners, Redpoint CRM. I'll have their CEO, Dana Rez, on, and we'll be discussing the intricacies of ISV consulting partner relationships and the different benefits that each type of organization have to reap from one another inside of the Salesforce ecosystem. Hope you enjoy. Well, uh, Dana, thank you so much for coming on the Art of Conversation Live. I'm really excited to get to do a partner episode. Uh, I think this is our first partner episode, actually, with one of our U.S. referral partners. Um, so really excited to get to talk, you know, Salesforce channel, uh, talk a bit about, you know, the relationship that ISVs have with consulting partners and, you know, what are the real benefits of those. So uh, before we dive in, if you want to just go ahead and maybe give us an introduction, tell us a bit about yourself and we'll get going. Yeah, definitely. Thanks so much for having me on. Um, I'm glad that we could be the first the first partner conversation. Um, that's exciting. So yeah, my name is Dana Rest. I'm the CEO of Redpoint Solutions. Uh, we're a Salesforce consulting and development company based in Denver, Colorado. Um, we've been in business for about 20 years and focused on Redpoint, or sorry, focused on Salesforce um, specifically for the past 15 years. So we're kind of one of the older uh, boutique Salesforce companies here in Colorado. Awesome. That's nice. How did you find, I mean, when you very first started getting, I always think it's interesting to note like when, how people made their way into Salesforce as like a channel and as like an industry, because um, it's always unique. I feel like nobody sets out and be like, you know what, like I'm going to, I'm going to set out and be a CRM consultant. So how did you get into the business and kind of what, what started the whole process of, you know, Redpoint becoming a Salesforce consultancy? Yeah, totally. So, um, so Redpoint was doing Salesforce development uh, long before I actually joined the company. Um, so I actually joined the company a couple of years ago and then became CEO, but I got into Salesforce consulting a little while ago. I was actually doing just enterprise software consulting, um, working on some other platforms outside of Salesforce. And I really kind of loved the work, loved consulting, loved working with a ton of different businesses. It became clear that Salesforce was kind of the leader in the space, or at least the leader in the part of the space that I enjoyed working with. So I made kind of a strategic decision to um, transition my career off of some of the other tools that I was working on and kind of go um, all in on Salesforce. So it wasn't the most kind of like uh, organic or serendipitous journey. Like I kind of made a calculated decision that the Salesforce ecosystem is like thriving. It's, you know, it's kind of the biggest ecosystem out there. Um, and that's kind of the, the space that I wanted to be in. Cool. And then I know all consultancies, you know, they kind of do I would say everybody has their different blend of like herbs and spices, if you will, of like what they provide to customers, what they do. I mean, for Redpoint, like what types of work are you guys focusing on? Are we doing like implementations or like what, what kind of stuff are you guys usually doing for customers? Yeah, totally. So we're, we're kind of a generalist firm. So we focus on the main sort of core Salesforce cloud. So sales cloud, which is kind of the original Salesforce CRM product, um, service cloud, a little bit of marketing cloud and Pardot, which are their marketing products. Um, and then increasingly, we're doing some stuff on Health Cloud, which is their product for the healthcare industry, and Salesforce Communities, which is sort of ways to build online um, experiences for, for customers and partners and different groups. Um, so we're pretty agnostic in terms, of, uh, in terms of industries, in terms of market segments. So we work with a lot of venture-backed startups. We work with healthcare companies, higher education institutes, um, CPG companies, manufacturing companies. So really kind of a wide range of different businesses and industries. Some of them are super tech savvy. 
sort of digital native companies that are like, you know, SaaS businesses. Some of them are like really old school construction or manufacturing companies that are, that are not um, super sophisticated from a software point of view. And then kind of the same thing on the market segment side. So we work with some, with some pretty large, um, pretty large companies that are, you know, international corporations that maybe have their own in-house Salesforce team, but then use Redpoint for sort of special projects. And then we work with really small nonprofits where we kind of support their entire Salesforce implementation. So we're like highly diversified kind of generalists. Um, we don't focus too much on any specific vertical or um, specific product within Salesforce. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, I think that's interesting too, because now kind of leading up to it, you know, just explaining how we found each other and ultimately how we ended up working together. Um, I think if I remember right, you know, we first started working together back in like March of this year. Um, and you actually came in just through a form fill, if I remember correctly. And it was just like customer who needed cloud call. And so all of a sudden I'm hearing like, wait, they're a Salesforce consultant. Somebody put me on the phone. I want to talk to them. Um, and so it was kind of just out of, I, I would, I would say like out of a, a real need um, that already just kind of arose in your customer base, you know, a need for CTI. But um, yeah, I would love to hear a little bit from your side, how you guys stumbled across cloud call and, you know, kind of what led to us ended up working together. Yeah, totally. So yeah, I think it was back in March, we were doing research for CTI solutions for a customer of ours based in Austin, who's a kind of a venture back um, technology enabled company. And um, I think, you know, so when we're kind of looking for ISV partners, it's pretty typical for us to kind of, you know, do a little bit of research, see who might be the best fit and do some intros, but particularly in March and April, like when COVID was kind of coming into the picture, which feels like it was three years ago at this point, but <laughs> right. we, we kind of made a decision to take a little bit of a step back and kind of look at the broader landscape and like kind of, we, we really wanted to figure out like, what are the big trends happening in ISV and who do we think the new leaders in ISV are going to be? And so we reached out to a lot of different companies on the CTI side and, and, and for other, um, for other use cases also to just start a bunch of conversations and kind of figure out like, who are the people that we, I've never met before, maybe just didn't have time to meet before because everything was so busy. Um, and there was that kind of couple week period where the whole world sort of pushed pause, where um, we were able to kind of do a bunch of research and, and make a bunch of new relationships. And um, yeah, and so we sort of just met Cloud Call organically through that process. And um, yeah, it's been, it's sort of developed since then. Yeah, I mean, I think that's interesting too that you guys actually took some time to like say, hey, like, what, where are the trends as far as like, you know, ISVs? Like, who are the types of companies that we need to be engaged with? Um, what did that process? I mean, I know it sounds like it, it happened kind of at the start of COVID, but I mean, when you kind of delve dove in and did that um, investigation, I'm curious to know just kind of what you found and like, you know, what were the big, I would say, standout pieces of technology um, that you guys saw and felt like it was worth uh, setting up partnerships with. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think we've been relying, I mean, we always do a little bit of due diligence when we're trying to find a solution for a customer, but we definitely had had relationships with ISV partners and, and other types of companies that had just been around for a long time and that we had never really, we had never taken a ton of time to really question, like, how do they see the world? What's kind of their vision for the way that cloud technology is going to be going over the next 10 years or, or Salesforce is going or is Salesforce re really even core to their strategy or is it just some tertiary thing that they're not really investing in? Um, and so, you know, we found there was kind of this whole cohort of companies that were building really high quality solutions for Salesforce that were kind of lightning first, sort of CRM centric, 
where 90 or 100% of the user experience is happening inside of Salesforce as opposed to outside in some sort of separate you know, web application or some other user experience. Um, and where Salesforce was like a significant part of their growth strategy for the next decade, right? So there's a, right. There's a bunch of companies out there, out there that are just like standalone SaaS businesses that build a Salesforce integration, but they don't invest in it. They don't right. really care about it. They're not providing good support. And so, you know, we really found that there's this whole cohort of companies and, and cloud calls certainly in that, that were like really invested in Salesforce, really were building products that were like high quality, um, that could be supported in a really high quality way. And um, I, yeah, I don't want to go just name a bunch of companies. Yeah, no, but, no, no, no worries. But, um, but no, there's, there's a bunch of them. Yeah, and I think that's such an interesting place because that's exactly where we find ourselves. And it's conversations that I have like all the time about, you know, how do we really, how does cloud call, have we decided that we want to grow? And I think it's this concept in software and, and I probably in you know, a lot of other just industries as well. It's like understanding that like there's this larger ecosystem that companies are running their business off of and realizing that, okay, Salesforce nine times out of 10 is the heart and the nucleus of that ecosystem. And how can we most efficiently place our product inside of there so that we can become a cohesive part of kind of this pre-established ecosystem? Because ultimately, if there is strong Salesforce adoption, then that means that there's strong cloud call adoption. So that's kind of like, that's kind of been, you know, our methodology as far as like, you know, how do we expand? How do we grow? Um, it's, it's just like, how do we basically cohesively fit ourselves inside of that ecosystem? So it's interesting to note, I, I think that that is a pretty significant trend um, amongst ISVs. And it's kind of cool to see that um, that's something that consultancies kind of pick out and are like, yeah, that's definitely something we would somebody we would want to work with. Um, and a large enough trend that has been recognized too. So pretty cool. Pretty cool stuff. I, I think one thing too, though, one question that I always have, because, you know, for me, like I'm on the other side of things, I'm the ISV part alliances manager. And I feel like so many times when I'm talking to, um, whether it be Salesforce consultants or just Salesforce PDOs or whatever it is, some type of uh, member of the Salesforce community, when they reach out to me, it's because they've ran into a situation where, we need we need is we need an uh, we need an ISP partner to help do telephony or we need somebody who can do CTI, um, and it's almost always based off of like an individual customer use case. Do you think that that's usually the case, or it sounds like in this example you guys had kind of sat down and done a little bit of research? Do you, I mean, I'm just curious to get your thoughts. Like, is it almost always customer driven, or is there like ever a chance where you, you sit down and do some market research and just determine like, hey, this is this is gonna be, these are going to be the big trends in the next six to eight months. We should reach out and try to partner with these companies. Yeah, totally. I think part of it was sort of that strategic approach from us, especially at the start of COVID, because we just had a couple of slow weeks where I just wanted to take some time researching stuff. Um, right. But there were certainly companies we found during that period that were like, this is really cool. We think that this is going to be a big business one day, but it doesn't fit at all with any of the like use cases that our customers are going through right now. And so even though we thought their businesses and products were really impressive, we didn't really pursue building relationships with them. So, so right. I do think ultimately relationships do come from and should come from wanting to solve a real problem for a customer. So I think right. that's kind of like the thing as consultants and as ISV partners, like that's the thing we have in common. That's our shared mission is we're trying to solve a problem for a customer. Um, I definitely think that that's where good partnerships come from. It's not the only place partnerships come from. You can, there's, you know, there's folks out there that will build ISV partnerships based on like, like lead sharing agreements or really clever contracts and that sort of thing. And I just think, I don't personally think that's a recipe for success. I think that yeah. the thing you should have in common 
is you know a shared mission to deliver value to a customer, solve a problem for a customer. And then there's other things that go into it. You have to be able to work well together. You you kind of have to have like a a shared thesis of the way that things are going to be going in the ecosystem. But um, I think if you're building relationships just based on like um, you know writing contracts together, that that's that's not a great way to approach it. Yeah, and I mean that's something too. It's so interesting. I think that I run into a lot. Um, you know, just from the I would say ISV partner side, especially in CTI. Um, I say this all the time, but telephony is an old business, and a big part of telecoms and telephony is this whole concept of like, oh, well, I'm like a telephony reseller, and those are great organizations who like have really, really strong, um, you know, customer bases, and they've grown wonderful and developed great relationships. But I think the big opportunity that I always see, and not to say that, you know, I don't love working with those companies, but one reason that I really prefer and enjoy working with um, sales, like Salesforce consultants and members of the consultant community is it isn't driven off of this whole, like, well, I'm building my business on top of, you know, this reseller model that you guys can offer me. It's more about like, ultimately, how do we find the best fit for this particular customer? And those are, those are where our best customers come from um, because we're finding good solid fits for our product. And it's not necessarily based off of, um, you know, other kind of, I would say, I don't even know how to describe it, like other just like um, business elements that are that are being thrown in, um, such as like reselling or having somebody else kind of structure their whole company around, you know, having a reseller agreement with, with CloudCall. So yeah, I, that's, that's, I, oh, go ahead, yeah. <laughs> no, that, I think that's really interesting. Um, it's funny because that's actually not even a, a scenario that would, um, that I could even imagine um, that there's there are folks out there that are building that meaningful of a business sort of just uh, well actually hold on sorry let me scratch that okay. <laughs> I do know that reselling businesses can be pretty big but yeah the the point I was going to make was that um, I think like our reselling you know business is like virtually zero percent of our revenue so it's just uh, yeah that's definitely not the way we approach the world. Yeah. And I mean, it's not to say like, I think 100% there are reseller models that aren't necessarily that I would say rigid or old school, but yeah, in, in, a, in a sense, I think it's almost like the Michael Scott version of selling telephony, right? It's like, mm -hmm. um, you've got your middleman who's like your kind of regional supplier that works with all of these different other companies to try to get you the best price. Um, and it's just, it's not to say that we won't, we don't work with those companies or that they're, we don't have really valuable relationships with them. I just think that the most interesting partnerships are almost always out of our Salesforce consulting community. And it's where we, we really have a chance to like brainstorm and say, you know, how do we take these different customer use cases that are coming to us and, and collectively solve for them in a combination of, you know, Salesforce functionality and cloud call functionality. And that's where my job gets fun. Um, and it's kind of almost that third-party solutions engineering, if you will. Um, and that that's ultimately where I think we find the coolest, um, I would say, customers and honestly, the most unique fits for our product. Um, and ultimately, the best customers, right? Because once you find such a unique fit, it's so hard to replicate that in with a different vendor. And we end up just having these really sticky relationships with customers. So for me, this is kind of where I love to see the projected growth for our partner network come from. Um, but yeah, it's, it is, it is kind of a, a weird nuance of partnerships in, in the telephony world for sure. Thinking about like other things in, in regards to setting up ISV relationships as like, as a Salesforce consultant, I am always so curious to know, cause I don't really know much about the business development side of Salesforce consultancies or what winning business looks like for you guys. But you know, what is, what is the role that having these ISV partnerships play in helping you win business and then helping you ultimately deliver solutions to, to your customers? So having these relationships with ISV partners ahead of time 
it, it helps create better user experiences, just like full stop. So creating good user experiences for us is like, the, that's the entire business that we're in. It's kind of the only thing we care about. Um, so from a consulting side, like when, when a customer comes to us with a business problem, they don't usually come to us and say like, hey, we're looking for a CTI solution. We need you to evaluate them. They're usually coming to us with a more abstract kind of business problem, right? We're looking for a way to um, you know, communicate with our customers in, in such and such way as part of our sales or, or post-sales implementation process, et cetera. Um, so when we have these relationships already set up, like the entire experience for the customer is just so much better. So we can speak intelligently about the different products and services that we're familiar with. Um, we can quickly get answers to like, if there's technical questions that the customer has or some nuance in their implementation that we want to make sure is going to work well with a solution. Um, you know, we can like smoothly introduce the ISV partner, set up demos, ask follow-up questions, just that whole sort of human interaction part of the process goes so much smoother. Mm -hmm. And then I think from the ISV side, there's also a lot of value in like getting insights from the consultants about like what the real pain points are, how best to position the product, what features to highlight. Um, and I think there's a level of trust coming into the conversation from kind of an existing relationship as opposed to if they just reached out to you cold. So I think really just from start to finish, like so from, from vetting different solutions, co-selling, um, implementations go smoother, the support is higher quality. Um, I think the entire customer experience end to end is just, I mean, it's just totally better if, um, if those relationships exist already. And if they're good relationships, they're not just, you know, kind of contractually based. Right. And I think that's one thing too, that I always, and it's hard, right? Because like when you're trying to establish these kind of third party relationships with companies, like ultimately, like your focus is always going to be, you know, well, we need to solve this need for this one particular customer. And I think I, I try to stress to folks like, Hey, like regular contact and communication um, from a partner standpoint is huge because it just ensures better uh, customer experience for your future, like referrals or for your future, you know, customers that you bring into cloud call um, and I know it's time and, I, and it's one of those things it's like you know time is money and 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 especially in the consulting world when you're working on different projects and things are moving really quickly it's hard to kind of justify um, time for some of these partner relationships but I, I truly do feel that you know if you're able to maintain them and maintain you know regular contact communication um, with partners it just one it makes it feel like for the customer there's a more authentic relationship um, between you know, consultants and, and ISVs. And two, it just means that we're more in lockstep, right? So we can deliver better experience for that particular customer. Um, I, I do think it's so, and it, people always, I think, have a little bit of, um, I don't know the word, I guess people always kind of question, I think anytime that you're getting referred over to somebody else, because there is that concept of like, well, are you getting paid for this, if you will? And I know there's one, I've talked to a lot of consultancies who are straight up like, I don't like to have formal partner agreements with ISVs because I don't want my customers to think that I'm pushing products on them just because I'm going to get a paycheck at the end of the month for it. Um, and that's something that like wanting to be able to like communicate authenticity, I think is really huge. But I, I always tell people, I'm like, you know, I respect and understand wanting to make your customers feel like you're not just pushing products on them. Um, but I also at that same time, having this relationship, maintaining it, um, keeping it established is, is huge for, I think, experience um, from a customer standpoint. Um, but anyway, that's just my thought on it always. But it is something that I do run into quite a bit um, in my role. Yeah, and I would say too, you know, 
ISV partnerships and consultant relationships, like it's not a new concept probably, right? Like, I mean, this is something that's been going on probably since the dawn of time as far as the app exchange is concerned. But I'm, I am curious because in the last year, there's been so much change that has happened um, just into the way that we work with the pandemic and with people move, going remote and then also just with market fluctuations. I'm really curious to know, you know, how has COVID affected the ask of Salesforce consultants when you're doing your business development work? Do the requests look different? Are they more complex? Um, you know, what is what does the ask really look like uh, for you guys right now, and, and has it changed at all since the start of the pandemic? Yeah, yeah, it has changed. I think um, you know. So one of the big themes of COVID in general is just that it's so COVID is kind of accelerating trends that were already happening, right? So. I think over the next 10 years, there was going to be kind of a slow shift to work from home and COVID just sort of condensed that into like, you know, a four or eight week period. Now, all of a sudden, everybody has to work from home. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think like working from home is just one example because it's, it's relevant here, but just in the broader marketplace, COVID has accelerated a lot of trends. Um, so one of the things we're seeing is that like customers are coming to us for they're coming to us for a wider variety of things and kind of earlier in the decision-making process. Um, And so if, so when a customer is kind of thinking about a business challenge and thinking about how to solve it, um, so all of their thought process now is going through the lens of sort of needing to be remote first. So they're looking through, you know, they're looking at things through the lens of, we need something that's digital first. We need something that's cloud-based, maybe something that, integrates directly with our Salesforce implementation. Um, let's reach out to Redpoint and see what they think about this. Where in the past, they might have approached a problem like in a totally different way. So instead of looking for kind of a CRM centric, you know, sort of cutting edge CTI tool, they might've just been setting up landline phones in their office and they yeah. wouldn't have ever <laughs> consulted us about that. And so it sort of forced us to become um, more involved with these sort of digital transformation conversations than we than we were before. Um, or just to choose another example, like with um, you know contract management, which is a big which is a big theme in Salesforce. It's not just that companies were trying to decide between using um, like DocuSign versus HelloSign. You know, they were deciding between using DocuSign or just leaving a stack of papers on their boss's desk in a little right. basket. Um, but now that's not an option. So, so the decision-making process starts with digital first, starts with cloud-based. Oftentimes that starts with kind of your CRM or what's your core sort of business application. So we're getting brought into more conversations and we're getting brought into conversations earlier. Um, and I think that inevitably then kind of trickles down to the ISV because a lot of these problems that we're being asked to think about and asked to solve are problems that ISV partners are already solving. And so I think we're bringing um, those partners into conversations a lot earlier, a lot when we're kind of in the like discovery or exploratory mode, and we're not in the sort of hardcore, you know, vetting the product functionality and all of that. So we're having more kind of brainstorming conversations, um, solution architecting conversations, and, and less conversations where we're just sort of like, you know, comparing pricing. Right, which I think is honestly, I wonder if that's, you know, something that's maybe going to start to separate, you know, or make a, a 
separation, if you will, in the market of just like Salesforce consultants, because I think those Salesforce consultancies who are equipped with ISV relationships and are prepared to have more diverse conversations. I mean, I'm sure there are plenty of Salesforce consultancies who did tons of Salesforce implementations and never once, um, you know, had a conversation around CTI or didn't necessarily outside of maybe setting up their BDR team with like high velocity sales or outreach or something like that, never even had to talk about, you know, well, who's what phone provider are you using? Um, and rightfully so, right? I think that, you know, Telephony is just a, is a complex business in itself. Um, and so I, I think my personal opinion is that, you know, consultancies can only do, I would say, benefit by, can only benefit from um, having established relationships um, that will allow them to kind of offer a more broader range of services to their, to their, to their ultimate customers. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that, I mean, so now it's December of 2020 and I'm still having the experience where I, I will, I'll call up a company that I have a relationship with, right? A long-term relationship with like maybe my cable company or something. And the first thing I hear is that, you know, due to the unprecedented situation with COVID-19, that call times are going to be longer than usual or that the call centers close and that there's nobody there to answer the phone and all this stuff. And I personally feel like we're getting to the point where we're like, um, you know, six, seven, eight, nine months into the situation where is that, is that really acceptable anymore? I, I don't think that, I don't think most of our customers are having that problem. I think that they've adapted or they didn't really have to adapt because they had these systems in place um, to begin with where they're able to manage their team remotely. They're able to operate, you know, their business without coming into an office every day. And so, I don't know. I think that the market's, the market's clearly heading in that direction. And yeah. um, I think if you can't adapt to it, it's going to end up becoming um, a detriment to your business. So it's, I don't know, it's something that everybody needs to be thinking about. Yeah, no, and I would say, you know, for us, that's another place like that our partnerships have become so vitally important because now more than ever, we're providing joint solutions. Oftentimes, I think before COVID hit, um, we would have these conversations around like, you know, what is the best time to bring cloud call into a customer? What's the best time to make an introduction? And we used to think on an in, complete you know, honesty, we kind of thought that if a customer was already implemented on Salesforce, or maybe they already had, you know, um, a consulting partner, and, and that kind of decision to use Salesforce and to use it in a certain way was already made, then it made our jobs of like, you know, implementing cloud call um, easier. And we, we kind of, I think, for a long time preferred those types of opportunities. But what I think has happened in the last year is, is you know, people are waking up and realizing, whoa, 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 I have all of these dis disparate systems happening, um, broken processes. And I essentially, for them to work in an efficient remote fashion, need them all to come together and, and kind of in one place, um, which is the ask that's been brought to, you know, you guys in, in the consulting world, but what it's done kind of secondarily is it's come back to, to me and to our product team and basically saying like, hey, like, you know, if we could just tweak one or two things, it would make this way more efficient and it would make it, you know, far better for this particular use case. And so we're starting to collaborate, um, kind of like you said earlier, kind of more in the evaluation stage of like, okay, this is the business problem we're trying to solve. Hey, if we, you know, if we were to work together on a couple of items, like, do you think we could accomplish this? Um, and sometimes it's not necessarily development work, but sometimes it's just, you know, configuration and working with our implementation teams, but we're doing more and more of that. And I think it's creating better relationships with our customers. I think it's pushing our product in a lot of unique places. Right now in the last sprint that I just went through our development team with our Salesforce product manager with, I don't think there was one ticket in that entire sprint that wasn't 
associated to one of our consulting partners um, in some form or fashion, right? So I think it's it's pushed our product in a really cool way, um, but it's also just, yeah, I think it's just given us way better customers and way better use cases than we had historically. Um, but it, it has been a definite shift in how we look at referrals and, and how we ultimately, how our partners influence our roadmap, <laughs> if you want to be honest, if I'm being honest, so. No, totally. That That's really interesting, actually, because, yeah, you guys kind of have um, a partnership driven sort of product strategy um, because a lot of the times the partners are sort of a, an intermediary or they're just some sort of filter between you and the end user. And so I think, yeah, I mean, I think that that even adds to kind of the importance of these partnerships because they're, yeah, in some cases they're going to be driving actual product decisions that you're making. Yeah. And I will say this too, and I think this is true about most, um, I don't know. I, I think it's true about a lot of software solutions is there's really rarely is there one piece of software that accommodates every single use case, you know, that you could ever imagine. But what really I think finesses products into solving for um, businesses is having strong solutions engineering, whether that's coming from, you know, yourselves as a consultant or ourselves as the ISV. But I think the combined solution that we deliver is been probably the most, I would say, I don't know, the most unique, but also a really cool way of us both winning business. Does that make sense? Like, I, I just think that like, you know, there's never going to be one piece of software, I, in my personal opinion, that will fit in the exact same way for everybody. But really what makes, I think, um, you know, a solution um, work well for customers is the ability of the people around it, right? How can we manipulate this? How can, well, how can we get creative about how we solve this business problem? Um, and getting to have that collaborative effort with our consulting partners has been just like really honestly a very cool experience. And I think it's it's really pushed, you know, how we position our product and yeah, ultimately, you know, what we put on the roadmap and what we choose to build. Yeah, totally. And if you're, I mean, I think a lot of, I guess I don't know this is a fact, but I think that a lot of business on the ISV side is going to be driven by a desire to consolidate things. Mm-hmm. And so if you're using 12 different sort of disparate, disconnected, applications to run different parts of your business that can maybe be consolidated into three or four applications plus some custom functionality running directly inside of Salesforce. And then you're logging into one system, you're paying, you know, three bills instead of 12 bills and you're kind of simplifying your team and it's going to drive productivity, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so I think that the solution to architecting piece and the consulting piece can come in where it's like, which of those 12 different services and different pieces of functionality that they're delivering can be consolidated into what other solutions. So if you're using one system for phone and one for SMS and one for email and one for analytics analytics and one for social media channels, like what's the right way to um, kind of push those together into individual or into new products and like what are the right products to solve those? And I think that that does require a little bit of a little bit of thinking, a little bit of consulting. It's not rocket science, but you also can't just like you know, read a couple of reviews and up an application and then plug it in and expect it to, you know, automatically transform and retrain your entire workforce. Um, there does have to be kind of a plan. Um, yeah. And I executed. think the other cool thing that I see happening a lot with our consultants and, and our consulting partners and the deals that we work with our consulting partners, you know, so many times in companies, especially I think 
you know, companies who maybe historically hadn't had to operate remotely or, you know, just depending upon the industry, everyone's a little different, but there's these massive silos that happen in, in businesses. And so you make technology decisions based on your silo oftentimes, right? So it's like, I'm a sales team. I know that I need to accelerate, you know, my outbound uh, communication somehow or another. My BDRs need to be making more dials. We need to be making more connects. We need to be close. You know, what? It, that there's that whole kind of siloed mentality of thinking about that's going to drive my decision on, you know, ultimately selecting a lot of different tools inside of sales force, um, one of them being CTI. And I think what we see more oftentimes than not is we'll be selling into one department and then we'll be asking like, you know, so what phone systems you know, are you guys using? It's like, well, this team is using Twilio. That team over there is using, I think there's like our main office uses like Vonage. And it's just so disparate and so almost just like a nightmare zone as far as like how many different technology providers you have. And I think one, one thing that our consultants do is they do help consolidate and they do kind of help remove those blinders, if you will, and say, hey, let's look beyond this team. Like ultimately, um, you know, let's find a solution that can solve for each of these different use cases and let us help you build that. And that means, you know, for us, that means that we get to sell into more parts of an organization. It means that we have, you know, um, it means larger deal sizes, more users. Um, so all in all, it's, it's really fruitful for us. But I think that it's kind of just that more top down lens that um, a consultancy or somebody from a third party is able to provide is, is pretty unique in, in helping that consolidation happen. Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting, and we've talked a lot about benefits, you know, on both sides of the of the coin from, you know, this is the benefit that I see for consultants, this is kind of the benefit that, or you see for consultants, and this is a benefit that I see for ISVs. And I think that, you know, if there were any unrealized benefits or benefits that you don't think many folks are taking advantage of with ISV partners, I mean, I'm curious to know, like, do you think there are any, or do you think that, like, what are the benefits that folks should be looking out for um, within these partnerships? Because I think historically, it can get bogged down in these agreements around like lead payments and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm definitely curious to, to hear kind of you know, your ideas or thoughts on, you know, what are some unrealized benefits that, you know, consultancies should be reaping from these ISV partnerships? Yeah, totally. I think, um, so in the macro sense, I think that everybody should be focused more on, on customer experience. And I think we, we talked about this before, but I think having strong relationships with ISV partners is ultimately going to lead to better customer experiences, just full stop in a whole bunch of different ways. Um, I think with COVID in particular, and I think this is probably a trend that's that's gonna linger and probably stay for a while, even if, even if COVID starts to clear up, is that folks are being a lot more considered when making these types of purchasing decisions. So we're finding that customers are, um, they're still forward thinking. They still want to invest money in technology. Um, they're still, you know, they're still interested in making improvements to their to their technology and to their businesses. But they're taking more time to consider different options. They're taking more time to analyze, you know, what's the ROI going to be on this? Is this really delivering value? Is this really solving a hard problem versus a soft problem? They're really taking more time to kind of evaluate their options. Maybe in the past they would just sort of look at who's the market leader? What's the brand that we've heard before? Let's just go yeah. with that. And now they're demoing three or four different applications. They're going to look at some things that are sort of Salesforce native, things that are built onto Salesforce, things that are totally separate from Salesforce, building custom solutions. They're going to really take more time to evaluate the entire landscape. Um, and so I think that in that, you know, from that perspective, having those relationships with the ISVs, um, becomes important because you're you're better able to demonstrate like what is the ROI going to be 
if you make an investment into our solution? Um, what is the value that we're delivering? What are the really killer features that are gonna like take your sales team to the next level or, or whatever this specific use case is? Um, right. And so I think that that is something that is, that's something that's changing a little bit. And it's, it's not a bad thing. I think that's actually a pretty healthy dynamic. And I think that companies that are, you know, that are organized and that are well situated to kind of make those arguments and really demonstrate that to customers are going to um, see the benefits of that. And then and companies that aren't, I think are gonna struggle a little bit or maybe be shocked a little bit at the level of scrutiny that didn't used to be there. And so, yeah. you know, I think having a strong relationship helps that. I think just being organized and really taking the time to understand, you know, what are the outcomes of implementing your product and what are the, you know, what are the outcomes it's delivering? What's the ROI on that? I think all of those things are just becoming more and more important. And yeah. um, it, it just creates opportunity, right? Because if you can get organized around those ideas and concepts, I mean, you're going to, you're going to do a better job of, of uh, winning new customers. You're going to do a better job of delivering to your customers. Um, so yeah, it's, it's not a bad change, but it's definitely something that I think has shifted a little bit um, over the course of this year. Yeah. And, you know, I think I can even say that just from a business development standpoint and like, you know, feeling different inquiries from different partners. Um, one thing that I have noticed is there are some partners of mine who I, I used to try to reach out to and they're like, no, we work with XYZ competitors of yours. We've always, that's who we always refer. And that's kind of end of story. Um, and now I'm getting a lot, of, I'm having a lot of conversations with those same companies and they're like, yeah, like our customer basically just refuses. To, they're like, they refuse to just look at this one solution. They want, they want three options at a bare minimum. And I think that, you know, while that may have been the case for some companies always I think it's more and more happening where it's like instead of just saying like yeah like we're you know this is our consulting shop we work with these technology partners this is who we implement all the time I think that you know even just based on the conversations that I'm having with new partners they're being forced to look outside of the box from like you know just the, the household brand names that they've always known which is a really cool time I think a really cool opportunity for for ISVs like cloud call um, and I'm sure there's other companies who could kind of attest to the same thing, but yeah, I think that it, it is kind of a unique ask and, and honestly, like for the companies like, like yourselves, like Redpoint who have ventured out and have, you know, struck up relationships with some of these, I would say almost like newcomers, um, if you will, um, people who are looking to build their business on, on top of Salesforce, looking to, to make it an integral part of their growth, um, and kind of establish those relationships early on are definitely going to have a bit of an advantage um over some of these other some of other you know, other consulting businesses who haven't chosen to do those things so um. yeah yeah absolutely and i think that for some consultants they've sort of steered away from isv partnerships or they've been reluctant to recommend isv products because they would rather build something custom and try to sort of capture some of that business and mm -hmm. redpoint has really always been super kind of ISV friendly, where if someone comes to us with a problem and that's a problem that's like definitely been solved by, you know, there's really smart people all over the world that are thinking really deeply about how to solve specific problems. And if, if that's something that's already been solved, like let's save everybody time and money and deliver value and get somebody set up with a product that already does that instead of building something from scratch. And, and I think a lot of consultants just have maybe they don't have the best incentives internally for that type of thing because they're, they're right. more concerned about kind of capturing the business. But I think that we've found that if you can help your customers save money, if you can deliver higher quality solutions because there's you know businesses that are just really focused on that one thing, it ends up building trust. Um, you know The money that they save doing that ends up just getting reallocated to other budgets. Um, you end up getting 
you know, more referrals from that customer. So it, it, it all kind of goes back to customer experience. Um, if yeah. something is the right thing to do for the customer, it's probably also the right thing for you to do as a business. Right. Yeah, and I think that you know when you're talking about like not necessarily having to build something on your own as a consultant, and rather you know, opting to use a, a partner, opting to to leverage ISVs. I think what's so interesting about that is it almost reflects what we see, you know, even just from a technology standpoint. Like, no more are we in the days of like, oh, I want to be the one application that kind of houses every every single thing that you do. Um, rather, like, let's link a bunch of different applications together and provide you a marketplace or an app exchange where you can go to help find a solution to solve these different needs. So rather than me as Salesforce have to sit here and say, I'm going to solve every single problem that might occur, um, you know, in, in technology related to a CRM, um, let me build this, this marketplace for you so that you can kind of leverage these other solutions that have already gone out and solve those problems on our behalf. Um, and, it, and I think it's kind of cool that that translates over to the consulting world, which, you know, not that it shouldn't, but um, it, it's interesting to hear that perspective, because that's definitely the perspective that I, I kind of have held around, you know, the direction of, of um, software and, and honestly, ultimately marketplaces with, with inside Salesforce. So um, just something interesting, I, interesting tidbit. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that Salesforce really wants to be, they want, they really want to be the place where work happens. Right. So it's sort yeah. of like Netflix, how they, like Netflix would say that they don't compete with YouTube as much as they compete with like sleep. Right. They're just right. going to capture as much of your available attention as possible. And so I think if you, you know, if you think about a 40 hour work week, Salesforce wants to capture as much of that as possible. And they know that there's a lot of other things that go into running a business and doing your job every day that are maybe not gonna become core features of you know, sales cloud in particular. And so you know, transforming from just being an application to really being a platform that other applications can run on, it's really a key part of that because if, whether it's customer service, um, you know, if, you, if you need to log into a separate phone system at the same time as Salesforce, or maybe you're logging into three or four different systems at the same time to manage live chat, to manage omni-channel or WhatsApp or all these different things. That's just time that's getting taken away from Salesforce. And it just, they don't have the ability to create the type of moat that they need. Um, mm -hmm. And so I think the more that they can invest in the marketplace, the more that they can empower developers to build not just good products, but like really meaningful businesses, like big businesses on, on top of Salesforce, um, it's ultimately going to help them achieve like that bigger goal of being the place where work happens. And you can even see that with the, with the Slack acquisition, right? Right. Yeah. I was going to bring that up. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's, um, I think there's a lot of different variables that go into it. I think that they were upset that, that they didn't win the, the LinkedIn deal and, you know, chatter never really became, I think what they wanted it to be. Right. But increasingly, you know, Slack is kind of the place and, uh, and other things like Slack, you know, Microsoft Teams, these are the places where, where work happens. And so I think being able to capture more of that, like just net time that people are spending at work is really valuable to them. And, there, and there's obviously the, you know, the business case and being able to help sell Slack into enterprise customers and, and all of that stuff. But I, I think more philosophically, Salesforce really just wants to be like, that's the first thing you log into when you get to work in the morning. They want to right. really be the place where work happens. Yeah, no, that's definitely interesting. And I mean, ultimately, too, like, I think that's one thing too to note just about the differences in certain technology companies and how they've decided to, to, 
to grow. One thing that I think is unique about CloudCall and probably a lot of ISVs right now, when we look at integrations um, and we look at you know how we want to ultimately grow, we see us doing that through our integrations, right? So rather than say that like, hey, we have a Salesforce integration, it's a box that we check and we move on with our lives. I think more, we've even restructured like our entire developer org. So this is something, I mean, having squads inside of a de development team, I don't think is really very unique. But inside of CloudCall, how our development squads work is we have one that's dedicated to our integration product. Like just to like, for instance, just for our Salesforce integration, we have one team that they eat, breathe, sleep Salesforce. They only ever think about, you know, how do we grow and expand and make CloudCall um, a better Salesforce application? And so I think it's just kind of, you know, our whole growth strategy is basically if there's success of Salesforce, then there's success of CloudCall, um, which, I mean, we've talked about that a little bit earlier in our conversation that there's a lot of businesses who are ultimately just building themselves on top of Salesforce and that's how they intend to grow. But I, I think that trend is like, you know, if you can recognize that this kind of behemoth giant Salesforce, if they're they're looking to to be with the place where everyone works and they just want to capture that attention, if you can somehow position yourselves inside of it, then then you're a part of that. You know, you're now a part of that behemoth, <laughs> if you will. So yeah, hundred percent. I mean, that's really I think the direction. I mean, they've been going in the, in that direction, right? And that's kind of the shift that a lot of companies make from being an application to being a platform. But to get to the scale that they want to get to, you can't just be selling sales cloud licenses to end users. You, you really yeah. need to be a platform where other people are able to build meaningful businesses. And it all it all comes full circle because I mean, one of the um, I'd be curious to hear if if you've had the same experiences, but when we're, when we talk about cloud call and, and other applications, like not in the CTI space, one of the selling points of those applications is actually driving adoption of Salesforce, because yep. there's a lot of companies out there that they spend a ton of money investing in Salesforce, you know, then they spend a ton of money investing in an implementation partner to come, you know, build fun custom functionality and do training and all of this stuff. And then they have these really low adoption rates and they're not able to get the you know, the reporting that they want or the insights that they want, or it's not driving productivity the way that they wanted. And so adoption almost becomes this, I don't know, neglected concept when doing a Salesforce implementation or doing like a bigger digital transformation project. Right. Um, and so if you can bring sort of the function of, you know, making phone calls, having conversations with customers, having SMS conversations with customers, the more of that that you can bring inside of Salesforce, the more that you're going to drive adoption of Salesforce. And I mean, it just benefits everybody. Like you made a huge investment in this technology. You want to make sure that you're getting the value out of it. And so bringing more of these sort of core business functions inside of the platform, it just becomes this, you know, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's a, it's a total win-win. So that's, it's become one of the interesting selling points of ISV products that I probably neglected in the beginning, to be honest, because I live in such a Salesforce centric world and I'm in Salesforce all the time. And it can be hard to imagine that there's companies that don't adopt it and everyone's super stoked about it and wants to log into it every day. But, but that is the reality. Um, mm -hmm. And so it's interesting to, to see um, products being kind of that that becomes one of the value props of these products. Yeah, and I will say I 100% agree with what you just said. And I think that, you know, one thing that I always feel about Salesforce um, is that, you know, it's as good as what you put into it. And you can kind of, you can try your hardest, you know, beat people with a stick to, to get in yeah. there and like, you know, record information as you want them to, or you can just, you know, create the process of putting information into Salesforce. Um, you know, you can build that process out through technology and make it easier than doing it any other way. And that's what we try to do with CloudCall is like, CloudCall, I think, 
you know, and I, I mentioned this earlier, we had a huge shift earlier in the year about how we looked at, you know, what are our best referral leads? When is the best time to bring cloud call into a discussion? And it turns out that during implementation is an incredible time to bring cloud call into the discussion because it's a wonderful tool to ensure adoption. Um, because instead of just having to say, hey, we've got this new CRM, everybody, we need you to get in here and we need you to, you know, log your tasks in this certain way and we need you to, you know, you know, update your, your, your contacts in this certain way and we need you to, you know, follow all of these different brand new processes, if we just make it impossible to not do those things, right? And so it becomes a native part of just how you how you work throughout your day. And so if you're using Cloud Call, that means you're using Salesforce. And that means that, you know, you have more data in Salesforce, you have more visibility, and ultimately you start to really see the value of the system that you've you've then implemented in, or that you've then, that you've then excuse me, that you've implemented. And it, it ultimately is just, it's kind of almost just like a, I don't know how to, like almost like a safety net <laughs> that kind of ensures that adoption is going to happen. Because the one thing that you know, especially on sales cloud implementations, is that salesmen to, get, to do their job, to hit their quota, and to get done what they need to get done, they have to be on the phone. Um, they have to, have to, have to be reaching out. Um, there's so much outbound activity. And if cloud call is the vehicle for that outbound activity, and it's natively inside of Salesforce, then there you go, we're, we're using Salesforce. And it, we, we have, you know, we can almost just ensure and enforce that adoption. And that's what I tell, I mean, I don't know if you remember from when we very first had our very first partner meeting, that's actually on one of my slides when I, when I talk to um, consulting partners is I'm like, look, like if, it's almost like insurance. <laughs> So we can, if you're doing sales cloud implementations for sales teams and you've got cloud call implemented with, with Salesforce, then you're going to see adoption. Um, so yeah, I, I, that's kind of almost how I position it. Um, and it, it is truly a part of our value prop at this point, um, especially when I'm talking to partners. So. Yeah, absolutely. I, and I think that this, I think smart companies do think about things that way. I think they think about what's the value prop kind of at every single level of the company. So it's not like CRMs are not just for executives. They're not just for managers they're actually like mostly not for those people. Um, you know, your sale, you have to be building solutions and building products and, and building your implementation in a way that makes your sales people able to do their jobs as easily as possible. Like it has to make their lives easier. It has to make their lives more enjoyable. Um, it has to like, it, it does ultimately lead back to productivity, but you have to think about it from kind of the salesperson's perspective. You can't just be thinking about are we capturing as much data as possible so that we can run these reports that are maybe useful and maybe not useful because capturing that data requires salespeople to log, you know, 12 different notes for every conversation and it's slowing them down. And so I think about, you know, thinking through the different value props for the different, for the different levels of users is really important and building yeah. products that are not just going to appeal to kind of the executive level and the management level, but are also going to make, it's going to make work easier and faster for kind of your average um, everyday user is also just super important. Yeah. And I think, you know, the big realization too, that has to happen is like, yeah, you need these, this visibility at, you know, leadership level, you know, at director VP above level, you need to have certain visibility into day-to-day -day business interactions. Uh, and that's great. And we can build you an awesome reporting suite in Salesforce that will provide you that visibility. But ultimately what you're trying to look into is the activity that's happening from your individual contributors, right? That's that's yeah. what needs to that's what needs to make it back um, into those beautiful reporting suites that are built out, and so that has to be a consideration. Um, because I I mean in a previous life I was doing um, I was kind of working as like a, I was almost like a sales enablement role, but really I was doing a lot of uh, Salesforce um, administrative work, and I was basically battling. You know, we had these kind of I would say top down um, requirements from our president and from our um, VP of finance, who was like 
well, these are the kinds of things that we need to see in reports. And I was like, you have no idea what you're asking of a BDR. Like they're making a hundred dials a day and they're expected to do these busted processes that don't make sense. And I was like, I promise you, you're not going to get any visibility that you need or that you want. And ultimately, you know, you're going to have really horrible um, handoff points, if you will. So like the, the handoff from BDR to sales rep was almost always just like, really horrible and cluttered. And then the handoff from sales to service and sales to CS is almost always horrible and cluttered. Um, and I think it's just because you forget like, what is what are the implica implications of what we wanna see up here? Um, what are the implica implications of those decisions and of those requirements to the individual contributors kind of on the ground layer? It's ultimately what we need visibility into is to, is to their day to day. Um, so we have to figure out a way to make it feasible and easy for them so that we can have, you know, that kind of single pane vision of, of what's going on inside the business. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I love spending time with salespeople and customer service people and, and marketing people. Um, you know, you always have to get buy-in on the vision and the direction from kind of the executive level. Um, and then, you know, you're, you're usually mostly engaged at kind of the management level. But really, I think the magic happens when you're just sitting down with actual users and understanding, like, what, like, what do you do when you get to work in the morning? You log in yeah. and like, what's the first thing you do? And you, and you literally just walk through you know, the different workflows that they have to do in their day-to-day -day lives. And I really think that's where most of the value comes from. And sometimes it takes longer for the, for it to kind of trickle back up to the executive level, because after you make some changes, all of a sudden the, the data is cleaner and the reports are more robust and you can get into an iterative cycle where you're actually improving things. But, um, but building tools and kind of thinking about how to solve problems from that end user perspective, I think is just like the most, the most important thing. Yeah. And one thing I also say too to folks about, you know, ISV partnerships, it's like if you can partner with applications that make the lives of your individual contributors or make the lives of the individual contributors of your customers better, ultimately what you do is you are putting more data into Salesforce, which just leads to more business opportunity for the consultant. Because once you have more visibility or into your day-to-day -day interactions, like I think there's so many interactions that BDRs or, or different salespeople have that frankly, leadership has no idea that that's how that works, has no idea that that's the process for doing things. And, and I think once it becomes more clear, more visible, um, it just leads to further development inside of Salesforce, right? So it's just kind of more recurring business. Um, I, in my opinion, and you can you can totally refute that and tell me I'm wrong, but I think from my standpoint where I look at it, it's like, you know, if you put more into the CRM, it leads to more questions around like, well, why does this look that way? Or why is that happening? Or why can't we see that now that we can see this? Um, which I think just, you know, leads to further Salesforce development, at least in my my opinion. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally agree. I think that, I think solving problems for customers is like, that's the whole, that's the whole game. Um, it's not about you know capturing the most amount of revenue or getting the biggest consulting project right out of the gate. It's just about solving problems for people. And that's really what, as a consultant, what people are relying on you for and really kind of what they're, what they're paying you for. That's the whole basis of that, um, of that customer relationship. They're not gonna remember, you know, when they're talking to their friends or their other colleagues in the industry, they're not gonna remember like, oh, Redpoint built us you know, this formula that distributed leads in this really tricky way they're going to remember kind of the emotional experience of like, we had this business challenge that we were facing out of the blue. It was really scary. We went to Redpoint and they helped us solve it. Um, the, the way that we solved it, whether it was introducing them to an ISV that was the right fit or, you know, some combination of things is, is kind of secondary. And right. so I think that just trying to solve problems, trying to deliver the most value, focusing on customer experience is always the right thing to do. And it eventually it does come back. It comes back in the form of repeat business. It comes back in the form of referrals. 
Um, it does require a little bit of patience and a little bit more of a long-term, you know, perspective on things. Um, right. And there's there's certainly companies out there that don't necessarily set up the right incentives from a sales or growth perspective that um, that make those decisions easier. But mm -hmm. um, but I don't know. It served us really well, and I think that's kind of the, the direction we're going to keep going in. Nice. Yeah. Well, you know, I know we've been chatting about this for almost an hour now. And if I were to try to summarize everything that we've covered here today, I think we've covered so many unique, you know, kind of just elements to the the Salesforce ecosystem and community right now. But really, it sounds like, you know, first and foremost, the biggest shift that I that we've talked about is that, you know, people are coming to consultants now and they're thinking digital first, right? They're thinking, you know, about solving problems um, in a vastly different way than they maybe would have used to. And um, I think that, you know, that that then results in all kinds of different, um, I would say, different types of relationships that would be built out with ISVs. And I'm really just curious to see, I hope, you know, that that kind of continues to accelerate, especially as, you know, folks start to kind of realize that, you know, there's more to be more to be offered through some of these ISV relationships instead of just trying to build everything on your own. Um, so I'm really excited to see kind of what comes in the new year based off of some of the changes that we've seen in 2020. Um, but, you know, if you have any final thoughts, we'd love to hear them. But more than anything, Dana, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the Art of Conversation today. Um, I'm hoping that this is kind of a, a unique and, and interesting conversation that we get to put out there to share with everybody. But yeah, this has been really great. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you having me on. Um, yeah, it was a great conversation. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm very, very excited about 2021. I think it's going to be a great year for, you know, for the world, you know, for the business community, <laughs> for the Salesforce ecosystem. Um, I think, I think it's going to be, you know, a really great year with a lot of, a lot of optimism and a lot of positive things happening. And yeah, my only closing thoughts would be, you know, at least from a, from a Salesforce perspective and from a consulting perspective is like continue doubling down on the relationships that are meaningful, the, the relationships that are kind of built in authenticity and that are built around, um, you know, a shared vision of helping customers and to also just double down on customer experience, which I know I'm like a broken record um, for, <laughs> for using that word two dozen times. But um, I think, I think going forward and um, as we've seen in the past, it's just going to continue to be the most important thing. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, this has been wonderful. Thank you guys for tuning into the Art of Conversation. Um, and thanks so much, Dana, for coming on. This has been awesome. Yeah, thanks so much.